Well, there was a time when zoos and marine parks were uh, the only way for folks to learn about marine life. But that was then, and this is now, and certainly the times are changing. Uh, Because keeping whales and dolphins in captivity here in Canada is a thing of the past. Because of the raptors, I'm not sure a lot of people heard that this legislation Caroline was just talking about was passed Monday. And it's a very, very big win for animal rights activists who have been fighting this issue for decades. But it really was uh, put into the mainstream because of marine land and several investigations that came to light uh, regarding their belugas. And of course, since then, the question of whether it is fair or even humane to keep these giants in captivity um, has, I think, basically turned a lot of people off. And so in 2015, this private member's bill started making its way through Ottawa, and now it is passed, and Canada is getting praise right around the world. I want to bring Camille Labtrick into this conversation. She is a lawyer and executive director over at Animal Justice, and this has been a, an issue you and your group have been working on for an awful long time, so it's a very big victory in what I would think is the animal rights world. It absolutely is. And it's really important, Alex, not just for the whales and dolphins. It's obviously huge for them. It's going to ensure that uh, whales and dolphins in captivity is no longer a thing in Canada. But it's also more broadly significant for animals in a general sense, because this is actually the first time since the 1800s that Canada has passed any new animal protection legislation. Mm. So I'm saying it marks a whole new era. We're showing Canadians that Parliament is willing to take animal issues seriously. And I hope this is going to be just the beginning of changes to our very outdated laws. All right. So the legislation as it is looks at whales and dolphins, you know, in captivity here. What does it mean, though, uh, for breeding animals? You know, you, you look at a marine land, they obviously breed in captivity. Are all of those animals grandfathered in or will we have any breeding uh, in captivity? Well, there won't be any future breeding in captivity. Now, Marineland operates with basically a beluga whale farm at the moment. Uh, belugas are born every year. And my understanding, they've, they've testified at the legislative committee that some whales are currently pregnant. So the babies who are about to be born from currently pregnant whales won't be affected. They'll be grandfathered in two. But in the future, Marineland will not be allowed to, to, to um, breed any further belugas or any other animals. So it'll put an end eventually to the captive population. What about places then like a Ripley's? They have to be watching this and thinking, okay, what does this mean for our future? I mean, these are huge tourist attractions. They don't generally have whales, but they certainly have uh, their share of sharks and they've got uh, exotic uh, fish in that. Is that another area that will soon be a target? You know, I think that what we're seeing from Canadians is a real understanding that animals suffer when they're in captivity and that usually the bigger the animal, the worse off they are for the simple reason that larger animals need more space. They're used to more space in the wild and they just don't do as well in small confines of captivity. So I don't think that this is the first species or the first type of animal that we're going to see uh, have restrictions placed on them. Um, I can already predict, predict that elephants, for instance, will be will be high up on the list for uh, for new rules to protect mm-hmm. them from captivity. The Toronto Zoo, for instance, already essentially was was forced to send elephants to a sanctuary in the United States because Toronto City Council recognized that they just couldn't do well in captivity anymore. So I think there's a long list of animals like that. There are. And look, I've never been a fan of of zoos. I've never been a fan of of using animals, you know, for entertainment per se. So I I don't go to these places. However, there are large parts of the population who say, without these places, how am I ever going to see these animals or how am I ever going to learn about them? And you say what? 
Well, I think there's a, a couple really great answers to that question. First of all, nature documentaries have uh, just become amazingly uh, informative to people. So the footage that they're able to gather now from the wild that shows these animals in their natural habitats is so much more compelling and so much more instructive than just walking by and seeing them from a distance of 100 meters or so in a zoo or, or aquarium or other kind of captive situation. So you get a much better experience watching films about animals. Mm -hmm. But another really cool thing that's on the horizon and I think will be reality very soon is virtual reality zoos and aquariums. Um, these are experiences based on new evolving technologies that, uh, quite frankly, I've seen a little bit of, of the technology and what it involves, and it's a very immersive experience. Anyone who's ever done a VR video game or participated in, in with the technology in some way will kind of have an understanding of, of the power of this. But I think that there are non-exploitative ways that we can enjoy animals and appreciate them for who they are while keeping them in their natural habitats and uh, not causing them to suffer in captivity. And what would you say to those, you know, playing the devil's advocate here? Look, the government should not be nosing its way into telling private businesses how it should and should not run. Oh, I think that's exactly the role of the government. Um, animals are part of our community. They're part of our society. And we owe them a moral obligation to treat them well and to make sure that they're being respected. And the government for a very long time has uh, recognized that it's important for them to do this. That's why we have animal cruelty laws in the first place. But we're starting to see a lot more from the government. We're, we're starting to see governments of all levels crack down on situations like cetacean captivity that we just know are cruel and shouldn't be allowed anymore. The laws are ultimately a reflection of our values as a society. So when people's attitudes change about a particular situation, the law has to catch up. Mm -hmm. And we've seen a very, very rapid shift in the way that people conceive of animals and the protections that we owe to them. And this still is a complete reflection of that. I mean, interestingly, the views may change here in Canada, but once you step outside of Canada, even being Canadian, and you'll go off to, let's say, Mexico or the Bahamas or any of these places, and you see uh, big exhibits where you can go uh, swim with the dolphins and that, those are still huge draws. And I think, uh, you know, a lot of people will t kind of turn a blind eye and say, well, we don't do this at home, but let's do it here. Are those attitudes changing? I think they are. When, when I speak with people, the, the more they learn about how these swim with dolphin activities affect the actual dolphins, the more they're not really interested in doing them anymore. I think that when people know better, they do better, and they want to make choices that are good for animals and good for them and their families as well. Uh, the other thing that this bill has done is given Canada some real moral authority on the international stage to help push for international action to, to get whales and dolphins out of captivity. We could now legitimately say to other countries, look, we have led the way on this and you guys should follow suit and think about making some changes yourself. And I hope that our government will step up and play that role. Well, you know, but that's the thing. I mean, other countries will probably say, look, you do you and don't tell us how to run. I mean, it, it, when you talk about these issues, maybe not with the American, uh, you know, our American friends, but certainly, you know, uh, in Asia, uh, they I don't think they give one care or another as to how these animals are treated, because if they did, they would have changed their behaviors, whether it's through the fishing of, of these animals and or the uh, the using of these animals a long time ago. Those are those are much tougher fights to still be fought. Oh, for sure. The work is far from over, and social change can unfortunately happen at a snail's pace sometime. Uh, but I'm really encouraged that Canada has taken this first step, and uh, we're not alone in, in making this change. There's uh, over a dozen jurisdictions around the world that 
have banned whale and dolphin captivity in some form or restricted it so severely that it's, it's virtually impossible to do without breaking any laws. Uh, so there's many other countries like Costa Rica, Croatia, um, Cyprus, mm-hmm. um, some parts of France. Uh, there, there's many locations, Mexico City, uh, California, South Carolina, that have already taken this step. And I do think that this is only just the beginning and that we are seeing a global movement away from keeping these animals in captivity. And so where next? If it's dolphins and whales now, what are the next animals on the list? Do you ultimately, uh, do animal rights groups want zoos shut down and everything shut down? Like, where does the fight go from here? Well, I wouldn't say that anyone has, has gone so far as to create a list. <laughs> but, but what I would say is I think that if we had to start from scratch, no one would dream of creating a zoo or an aquarium right. in this modern age if they didn't already exist. So let me pause you there. If, if Ripley's in Toronto, let's say, were opening its doors today, would there be a bigger fight against that? Yeah, I know. I think that attitudes about captivity have really shifted a lot in the last decade, especially. People are increasingly concerned about the harm that we're doing to these animals. And so I, I do think that there's big changes underway for the captivity industry, whether that's zoos or aquariums or or other facilities, I think that what we need to move toward is a sanctuary model. So we have zoos, we have aquariums, and instead of thinking of how they can confine animals and uh, grow profits by displaying them, we should start thinking about how these facilities can be used to protect animals who are in need of a home. Maybe animals who were rescued from the exotic pet trade, rescued from the circus industry where they were forced to perform, or other situations like that. So how can we take advantage of the infrastructure of zoos and aquariums? and move toward a more compassionate model of taking care of animals in need. Yeah, it's a never-ending battle, but uh, but this is, I think, um, you know, it didn't get a lot of attention, certainly because of the, the Raptors and the playoff, but it is a very big deal given we have not had any movement at all in this country when it comes to any kind of animal rights changes because they are very much still considered property. That's right. That's right. Animals are considered legal property of humans. They don't have rights of their own yet in this country. I think, again, that's something that's going to change. The Canadians are, are asking for change on this and that the change is ripe. Uh, you know, we've already seen this amazing move for whales and dolphins, and it marks the beginning, I think, of a whole new era for animals. And uh, we can expect more news out of federal parliament before the end of this month. I'm still expecting that a ban on sharks and imports is going to pass. Mm-hmm. And we're also looking at a a bill, a government bill, actually, that would uh, close the bestiality loophole, which unfortunately exists in Canadian law. I mean, and that's like Michelle Rempel has been trying to get. I mean, these are basics. I I don't understand in 2019 how this is even a conversation still. Uh, I couldn't agree more. It's it's, it's appalling that we have to be discussing this and we should be discussing much more important issues that affect many more animals. But uh, that's. Uh, by virtue of the fact that our laws are so outdated and haven't been amended in so long, we have to have this conversation. So I think the fact that Parliament is probably going to pass three pieces of legislation before the end of this session, before the end of this month, uh, that's frankly, Alex, it's just unprecedented. We've never seen this kind of movement before. So I think it bodes really well for the future. All right, Camille, I guess we'll be talking when the uh, bestiality rules pass. But uh, until then, I appreciate you joining me now. Thanks so much for having me, Alex. Yep, you gotta laugh. That is uh, Camille Lavchuk joining us here on Point on Global News Radio.